Well, hello everyone and welcome to Gigi in the 561. I'm Pam Barker. It's the last day of January. It's January 31st. January is a long month. And I know many months <laughs> seem long, but something about January. But today's my dad's birthday. He was uh, an Aquarius, obviously, and I lost my dad in 2001, November of 2001. I want to talk about him, but I want to tie it into music, and I want to tie it into Texas a little bit, and some other musicians like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Eric Clapton, but I'll get to that, so stay with me. As a very young kid, I knew music. I knew music because of my dad. I never lived in a world without music, and that's the truth. Uh, my dad owned instruments. He played instruments. He he played guitar, mandolin, even a ukulele um, for, for fun, for kids. You know, he would do that. Um, I, I never did learn any of that, but uh, he had all of the the music pieces that go with that. He had the amplifiers, the speakers, the all of the, the microphones, all of that. And he had friends that were talented. He owned a, a ton of sheet music. And they would come over and they would jam. And I grew up in that world of music. Uh, he was a he was a genius in so many ways. He he was an inventor. He his work um was not anything at all to do with music, but he had a love for music and that transcended. And in his, in a closet, uh, you know, these dividers that are, um, you can kind of get them for drying racks and um, people put their bills in them. They're like, they're dividers and you put things vertically in them, if you know what I'm talking about. He had a huge record collection albums and they were in sleeves but he kept them in this closet because he said to protect them they needed to be in the dark and um he later he bought a lot of 45 so it's a record shop that he frequented whenever the music dropped he would stop in and he would buy the newest really for my older sister not for me so much but um, I lurked around as the as the younger one and <laughs> absorbed all of it. So music has been a part of my life um, forever, and it is to this day. All kinds of music except country, no judgment if that's your bag, but it's just not mine. But blues and jazz and big band, all of that, uh, and pop, even back in the day for him was what I grew up with. But here's here's what I want to tell you about the weird story about actually Three Dog Night and the song Shambhala, if you're familiar with that song. Let the light shine in Shambhala. In January of uh, 1975, Three Dog Night received their 12th and final gold record. Um, they 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 brought life to songs that other people wrote. Hint, Shambhala, which was written by Daniel Moore. And I think he wrote that uh, in about 10 minutes on the Ventura Highway. And this is where my father and his friends and this weirdness of how life takes you on such a twisty, turny journey. 
two people that were very good friends with my parents were named Joe and Christine Parks. And they went way back with my parents, very good friends. And Joe was um, was one of the guys that came over to jam and with my dad and his buds. And he had an only child. And this only child um, also inherited this musicality. Now, this is where <sighs> the first concert that I went to with Gary was Three Dog Night. It was our very first concert together. And we we were, you know, loving them. We've seen them many, many times. Um, Gary's ended up playing Dennis with some of Three Dog Night later on. Music through my father, through myself, and through Gary is just an unbelievable journey for me. And I will get Gary on to talk about our journey, but this is really about my dad. Here's what uh, happened with uh, Daniel Moore's song, Shambhala. Now, there is a songwriter in Texas named B.W. Stevenson, and he was the first one in the fall of 72 to record Shambhala and released it and put it out there. And then in December of 72, Three Dog Night. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up and down, that is not my favorite Three Dog Night song. I think it has meaning. Uh, Shambhala has a weird meaning. Um, Buddhist um, secret place in the Himalayas, uh, a place under the Gobi Desert where mm, life forces rest and uh, all sorts of really crazy stuff. But uh, for Daniel Moore, this song, Shambhala, that he wrote, and that has to tie into his brother, which I won't go into how he came to to write this song and then go in the studio and record the song uh, because it's kind of a long story. You don't need to know all of that. But in the studio, and as a matter of fact, uh, Corey Wells was the actual one that um, that sang lead on that. Chuck Negron was my favorite singer with his big booming bass voice. Um, one is in Lonely Summer, Easy to Be Hard, things like that. But um, in the recording session of the demo for Daniel Moore's song was a musician. There were two musicians working on it. Uh, one was playing bass guitar. And that person was named Dean Parks. And that's how it comes back to my family. Because the child of Joe Parks, Joe and Christine Parks, my parents' friends, that was their son. And he was a prodigy. At three years old, he sat down at their piano and played by ear. And he then would pick up any instrument and did so at my parents' home as a child. Uh, I was younger. I don't remember any of that. Be, I'm not even sure that I was around um, yet, but I certainly wasn't old enough to um, to remember that part. All of my memories came much later when Dean Parks would have been not coming over. <laughs> I do have some pictures of him at a birthday party at my house, and I think that probably you know did him in, but... If you look up Dean Parks, 
I hope you will, because not only is he a genius that has played on every album known to man, can play any instrument and could since he was three years old, it ties back in, it ties back in, it ties into Three Dog Night. It ties in, and my association with Three Dog Night in my adult life, my father's friends, the world takes you on such an amazing journey. Amazing journey. And Three Dog Night sold millions. They sold, you know, like a million and a half records of Shambhala. Uh, B.J. Stevenson, by the way, uh, B.J., <laughs> uh, yeah, he really didn't. His was not that successful. But how how interesting are the twists and turns of life? If you see him, if you stop and you really see him. Dean Parks moved. He graduated from Pascal High School in Fort Worth, Texas. And he went on to, he was actually in a rock band uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. First called Three Do- uh, uh, Crowd Plus One and then Blood Rock. And then he went on to California because what he really wanted to do was what he did best. Play instruments. Play instruments. And that is what he has done. Look him up. You will be shocked. Dean, D-E-A-N, Parks. Look him up. But... Music is really weird because Stevie Ray Vaughan, who is also from Texas, we're, we're talking Texas stuff right now. Um, man, was he blues, jazz, his influences are deep. If you, if you do research on Stevie Ray, uh, he had many, many influences that go way back in, in uh, the world of blues and jazz. But... Uh, one of his big influences was Jimi Hendrix, and he was about 13 years old when Jimi Hendrix died. And But he first experienced Jimi Hendrix in his bedroom, he said, listening to that. He'd never heard anything like that, anything like that kind of guitar playing. And and that's how he was became influenced by all of these greats, including Jimi Hendrix. I really love the story about Eric Clapton because in the 60s, there was only one guitarist, according to what you read in England, who who was like the, 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 the king uh, in the world of, of guitar guitarists, and that was Eric Clapton. He played for the Blues Breakers, the Yardsbirds, and of course, Cream. And he will always be have that spot in history is brilliant. I have been a huge fan for years. He has gotten weird, and uh, I, I am, uh, I feel very differently about Eric Clapton in that regard. However, you cannot go down that road when it comes to artists, or you would not appreciate anything. So, on a personal level, I put him over here, but he's a genius with his fingers. Many people think they are, they really do, but they're. They're not. They're okay, guitar players. But then there are those who are really at the at the top, who will always be known as geniuses when it comes to that. But what I the story I like about uh, Eric Clapton and Stevie Ray Vaughan, it's like the first time Eric Clapton 
heard Stevie Ray, uh, he was in the car and he had to pull over to listen to the, to the song because he, he, he wanted to hear Stevie play. He wanted to know, he said, I have to know who that is. I have to know who is playing. Not, not tomorrow, not another day, but today. Because he thought that was, uh, he said, I literally stopped my car and said, I have to know who this guitar player is today. Not tomorrow, not today. That's a quote. And he said that had only ever happened to him three or four times in his life. And because self-admittedly, Eric Clapton was a huge egomaniac. I mean, that's, that's documented by him that. He maybe did not always like the the up-and-comers in the competition, but he felt differently about Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, that wonderful Texan who um, died way too young, tragic, tragically way too young. Such a such a loss, such a such a talent. So much music there in Texas that leaves Texas, and Dean Parks being one. Um, Dean Parks, the 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 great have said having him on their on their album do, in, being in a recording was was watching genius at work many many famous famous people he was even if i'm not mistaken i don't have this this in front of me but i think he was in the band uh, for a time on the sunny and share show but he he has been sought after throughout his career. Dean Parks, please, please, please look him up. And that, some of that happened in my living room when I was, when I was younger in the living room, his, his parents and my parents being great friends and, and him, uh, swirling in, in my oxygen of, of my family. Um, it's just so very, so very weird. And, and my dad forever, really brought music whenever he was working on any kind of project he had he had music going and he was the kind and as a kid you're annoyed and then you look back and you go why because look what I learned from him and I did it stuck so don't think it doesn't stick with kids because it does it stuck but I think I was born with it also but he would he would pull up Uh, from coming home or or whatever, if he was in the car or you're outside. And I was always outside because I loved being outside doing, putting on shows on the, (laughs) on our big front porch. Uh, Not digging in the dirt necessarily, but, uh, uh, you know, putting on shows. But he would sit in his car with the motor running and call me over. And because it was a song that he had to have me hear. And I do that now. I, I did it especially back in the day when you you had to rely on the disc jockeys playing your favorite songs and you didn't know when they'd be in the rotation so you had to catch it you had to, you know I mean I've been in my room with a tape recorder given to me by my dad my, my mom and dad actually recording songs from the radio on my tape recorder because 
you know, you just did. And, and because you, you had to wait for the single to be dropped and you had to get there and buy it. But he would call over and go, I, you know, I have to I have to sit here until the song's over. I want you to hear the song. It's really great. And he was right. It was really great. And I still do that if I'm sitting in the car. I'm sure my, some of the people see me sitting in a car uh, with my music so loud you can hear it outside my car. Because music is meant to be played loud. And... Uh, so I do that. I inherited that. Sit in the car and wait. Wait for it to be over. Even if you can hit rewind and play it again, it's like, wait, this this part right here. This is the part. It's really good. And that's what he would do. Listen to this. Listen to this guitar. Listen to this. Listen to how this. And I do that. And I'll say that here. Listen to that. Listen to that. That's the good part. You wait for the whole song for that for that good part. Uh, my dad put in uh, in all the rooms uh, of our house. Uh, these speakers and they were tied to the intercom and the in the, the stereo and and I would late at night because I'm a night owl I as a teenager I would put a stack of, of albums on the on the stereo uh, which was in another room obviously and listen to it through my uh, in, in my room through the through the speaker and the speakers were great but they there was no way to really turn them all the way down. You could still hear in my parents, my parents' room, in other rooms, you could still hear a little bit of that music. And but they never said a word. My parents were great like that. They they truly were. They they never said a word. Now my mom in the morning, um, yeah, she used it for the intercom, and she had this uh, this little thing that she did uh, to wake me up every morning during school, uh, that would uh, make me completely crazy. But anyway, uh, I wanted to talk music today because it's been important in my life and it was brought to me in the very, very beginning by my dad, whom I miss. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs>